0: Open double voice, son. <laughs> double voice, <boy>, son. <laughs> and dude, I almost got screwed over today because of that. And So I think that we we got a little Cast connection there. It's tenuous, tenuous at best.
1: And welcome to Commandcast, episode 247.
0: Where are you? Wait 40? are we starting?
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey,
0: I,
2: yes. Right. We are starting. <laughs> hey everyone, this is Cast, episode 247. Where are you?
1: All right, weekly? I'm back. The Yay! baby's done. Strategy <laughs> and technology hosted on ngcast.com and our home site CommanderCast.com. Believe it or not, I am your host, William, and joining me are. Wait, company. you are. Joining me are a couple of chuckleheads, Calvin, k okay, Captain Zone, and Clay, Commander Panda. How are you guys doing?
2: I'm doing well. I'm I've not. got a CD sitting my niece, if that qualifies as being negative, I guess. That's about it. So, Clay, good? good? I'm not
0: doing nothing. You're not doing
1: nothing? All not right. doing nothing. Alright. You're final, right? Yeah. Yes, Alright, good. Calvin's got a small child. Clay's got school, school all wrapped up. I have not good working Skype recorder, but. Of works Calvin's calling so We're just gonna roll with this. We're recording this on May 12th, 2016. And guys, first thing that we have to go into, in fact, the favorite commanders of the week Calvin, your favorite commander.
2: Uh, Ash the Pilgrim and her 99 Mountains. Why? Because, as per usual, I haven't played. I'm boring. I'm a horrible commander player.
1: I'm actually right there with you. I was playing to do Night this week, but then it turned into, hey, the girlfriend needs some help, this week, so let's go ahead and help her. And then I could play Commander yesterday, because yesterday was, hey, we need to get the new shelves set up, kind of reclean the store, and get everything tidy up, redo a bunch of stuff. So, Commander has been limited to the alpha with Avacyn. Given that the last time I played that was when I was in the Homelands videos, there's not, Homeland. there's not a whole lot to say about that.
2: Yeah, you heard it here first. There's not a lot to say about Homeland.
1: No. Like, there's even less to say about it than so, because, like, three... There's the, nothing. There's, like, five cards that were actually on moto and only three of them were ones I would consider, and one of them was functionally worse than a card I already had access to.
0: <sighs> Alright,
1: So, Claire who's your favorite?
0: Uh, well, when we were, uh, cleaning out boxes when we were moving out of our um, uh, I think that I had lost track of for, for a couple months. Um, I had my Brago deck, and it was actually in a box. So, I've been playing with Brago again, because I actually know where it is now.
1: So what you're saying is, Brago's a, um, a,
0: dick um, a box. Um, Brago was out of existence for a while. And finally came back. yeah he, and... he, uh, he's breaking the exile zone.
1: Incidentally, people at home, you hear Clay, you know, getting sketchy or break up, right turns out there's a storm. And I'm gonna Yay. go... No, not yet. I don't want to lose our panda.
0: So, no. yeah, there we go. I so... mean, to be fair, it's all Already, already happening, so it's getting much worse, probably, that high, but we'll find out. Uh,
2: We're gonna lose our Panta.
1: Yeah, how can it get famous, like? uh, You
2: know how things can get worse? I could tell you exactly how things can get worse. Hey, what episode famous? number is this?
1: This is 247.
2: Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 247. Prepare yourself for another dangly bit episode. I'm doing this intro to things to the dangly bits, just in case the rest of this call for some reason happens to die. So, if you're hearing the sound of this, then that means that somewhere along the line, something happened, and the show just didn't become a show. The Skype recorder stopped working. Yeah, Skype recorder stopped working. Clay died randomly in a mysterious way. Williams recorder decided it wanted to just throw everything all to shit. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy these dangles as they fit into your mouth.
1: Alrighty then, so then, to finish off this particular opening that we've every week, my commander is going to be the Master Wanderer. Why? Because I have the uh, the new cards from Innistrad finally, and I want to start tuning them up. But I realized I don't actually know where my shit is, so I finally took out the device, shoved That's all cool. these cards into shoeboxes, and now I'm going to go through and sort them all. I'm going to be my whole weekend <laughs> sorting through cards, find the stuff I want to put into the market, and, then, and then after that, I'm going to puka-trade the rest of it, get other cards. Goddamn, I have way too many... Cool. Alright. So, guys, here at CommanderCast.com, we rely on patrons like you to help keep us going. We're hosting sites, pay for pro- video projects that have money by cards or or You know where you can support us? Patreon. Patreon with CommanderCast. Over there, you can go ahead and you can. Actually, I think I'm going to go ahead and load this down to $3 here. I'm actually gonna lower it to three dollars here. Where if you're at three dollars, you can go ahead, vote on, and uh, nominate different topics. Do a monthly community choice episode every month. Right now, at the time of this recording, I put up the post for the community segment, but we need some more interaction for that. So I thought I'd lower the barrier to that, so that a lot more people, you know, come on, put get their input in and help make a basic episode. Yeah. But if you don't want to donate three dollars, then you know what? You can always donate a single. You know, that's just the.
2: tip. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Just a tip, a single dollar into the Commander cast. You can give us the tip, and just a tip. But if a little extra happens to slip in, we're not going to complain. We have a tier for that as well. It's called a little bit extra. It's two dollar tier, isn't it? Yep. So now we have something for you for a dollar. You can slip us tip, or you can give us a little bit extra. Or now at three dollars, you can go right ahead and you know have something that you want talked about on the show. Is there a particular topic that you want us to discuss, a particular card, a particular like set that you want us to discuss? Hey, maybe you want us to talk about how to build a particular deck. We'll do it for $3. All right. But yeah. there's also other Let's tiers to this as well. So William's kind of like adjusting the tiers around. So I don't know what's going on on Patreon. But by the time you hear this, you'll know what's going on Patreon. Why? Because you'll be over there donating or at least looking at what you could donate and then contemplating how much of your money you want to throw at us.
1: Yep, all this and more. And if you want to leave us a comment, go ahead and hit us up on the Facebook page, on the Twitters, and on our main website, CommanderCast.com. You can also hit us up on the Reddits. So let's go ahead and go straight into business, because I don't trust this reporter one bit. First, we're going to go into our community As segment. The
2: reporter doesn't trust you.
1: Oh, doesn't it? Doesn't, no, it, it, doesn't. it? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't.
2: It you're going to hang up on it.
1: Why would I hang up on the recorder? I need the recorder to work. Record. are an ass. Well, ass is just three parts of sass. So, community, we're going to go into a topic that a friend of mine actually proposed to help you play a versus playing with open hands. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right Yeah. And I'll actually. Hey,
2: we've made it through an intro, and we still have our panda.
1: We made it through the will intro.
2: The still be, will, the, will the panda still be here when we get to community? Stay tuned and find out
1: So today in our community I want to talk about the idea that some proposed where we all play with our hands face up out in the open in order to help you players with you guys i want to go ahead and ask what your thoughts my initial question is um if they see the scary stuff in my hand won't uh
0: shut,
2: shut up
1: my thought is, if they see the a scary thing in my hand, aren't they going to hit me anyway regardless of what I actually have on board? Or is that the actual points? What do you
2: guys think? Uh, so, okay. so, so is this like a threat assessment concept, or is it like teaching a new player how to play concept?
1: This is a teaching the player's threat assessment, which will be tangentially related to our strategy, topic.
2: Okay, now I have a better understanding of what you're trying to say. Continue, Clay. Clay?
0: Hold on, repeat. I was distracted.
1: By what? The so the question is, what do you think of playing with your hand open in order to help new players?
0: I, I mean, the, the answer to if it's a teaching new players thing or a threat assessment.
2: It, it's both. It's teaching new players how to handle threat assessment. The premise of this is... Okay. The, the, basically, the premise here is, is that when you have a new player and you have cards out on the field, they might not realize that just because the field looks a certain way that their opponents could actually still be dangerous. Like, mm. say, for instance, like like mm. just like you look over, the opponent has, like, a hand... He, he, all he has is land, but he has no creatures, no real enchantments, and, like, four cards in hand. What could he possibly be doing? Oh, he's over there assembling the Doctor Foundry combo, and all he really needs is just enough mana to play, and he can just do it on the same turn and get it to go off and instantly win? Gotcha. So the premise here is, mean, is to like have players hands. play with their hands open, so... This way, new players yeah. can kind of get a better idea it's of just because the board looks one way, it might be something else. Sorry. It's
0: not something i in a really long aside from being something like a revelation in a group hug deck, which I did. It's a funny card, it's telepathy, but it was well. Um, and I think it's good for helping teach players just like not everyone is on the board. Um, you need to you always be thinking about what your opponents might have in hand, but, but I think really you definitely need wean off because a lot of magic comes down to mind games and bluffing. Um, what you may or may not have. Do you have the need? Does your opponent play around? Any? It's the same reason that we teach players like when your game you don't last land. It's because <laughs> your opponent might think that stops them. What was that last bit? Clay,
1: you kind of broke
0: and up. Of the read, like yes, it's a good to start with revealed hand, like teach player card, and just be thinking about what players have in hand. Um, but it, but it takes the game aspect in that we people to keep a leg in hand on the board already instead of playing it when they have cards in hand. Except for that, because you could just bluff a sonic rift or thing that keeps. From actually swinging into you, even when you actually have anything, so it takes complexity out of it. But that complexity is also what makes the game much more mental than just evaluating on the board. So
1: Kevin, what are your thoughts on this?
2: Well, for me, it's one of those. Com- oh. For me, the my issue for it is, is I- I'm not really sure exactly like where are we talking about doing this at?
0: Well, because do you because mean like physical... me,
2: No, like right, um, so the thing here is that when I initially started playing Magic the Gathering, this was a part of the teaching tools that was actually implemented. You kind of played with your hand open for like the first few games and stuff just to get like a better idea of what was going on, how to actually play who could, call, who could cast what, when and things like that as a part of the learning curve, right? So like the idea of, the idea for me is, is that threat assessment by playing with the open hand for newer players has kind of always been the way the game technically should start because for me that's kind of how it always has been when it started if you see what i'm saying kind of like, like it's one of those it's like you're asking me it's almost like you're asking me like if i put like checker pieces on a checkerboard do i like like how like you're basically asking me like how to start a game when for me it's always been like a part of the initial starting teaching rule all
1: right
2: so it's like it's like it's like it's like if you're asking me if this is something we should do, my answer automatically is, like, yes, because it's something I've always had done. And even when I teach magic to new players, I do it that way as well. Right. When I teach it to the sun, that's how I do it. Then... I mean, I don't, I don't know if he ever gets the concept of threat assessment out of it, because, you know, it's, it's like, you know, I'm teaching you how to play the game, but in the same token, it's kind of up to you to start realizing, you know, what a threat assessment basically is.
1: All right, so... Using checker, let's pretend that the equivalent of this is you know you got you kind of constantly remind them where your checker can take the where they can do some of that like you help them see okay if you move this piece that can jump this one and this one and this you know, it's like when you play like a game of chess you know sometimes the program will tell you hey if you move this piece here in danger of these of being taken from these pieces kind of like that
2: oh no I get that I mean I fully understand what we're saying and what we're talking about. But for me, like, okay, when we're saying newer players, are we talking about like newer players in a uh, just commander, like people who play like limited or standard, but this is like their first time playing like commander, so they can get like a better threat assessment or whatever? Because if that's the case, then for me, then they technically should already know threat assessment because they're coming from a format that involves games.
1: We're talking about newer in the sense of maybe they're newer to the play group, or maybe they've played, you know, like kitchen table magic stuff like that. But they haven't really dealt with, you know, like politics, or, you know, maybe this play group. For example, when I started playing, you know, my first real play group, one of the things I did was I always focused on my roommate, who the guy who's now my roommate. Because, you know, we all perceived him as the best player. It was always, okay, we attack Tyler always because somehow he's always winning and, you know, his decks are always good. So he ends up getting beaten down. And then when we do focus on him, you know, someone else wins because we weren't paying attention to their board, or we were focusing all of our issues Tyler. But when we didn't focus on Tyler and we actually tried to, you know, do other things, kill other people, then he won. So it became this back and forth of, okay, we focus on Tyler because otherwise he'll win. Okay, he hasn't been winning or he hasn't fun. Let's so go ahead and back up. Uh, uh, and, oh, Tyler just actually crushed his thumb. And so newer players well, get...
2: Well, I think that's
0: kind of a problem for your own group.
1: No, that absolutely is. Right. That's and I was that
2: about right. to say that as well, because like if that's what your group is going through, and open hand isn't really gonna help that.
1: <laughs> no, it's not. No. But that's why I think part of what my friend's suggesting, hey, let's do it open hand so that <laughs> they can learn. No, you don't have to. Focus. You don't have to. You know, ignore this person, but you don't have to focus them out of existence. You have to learn how to, you know, look at the pieces that they need or what they're doing, so that you give them just the right amount of attention, rather than just being okay. I'm gonna attack you time
0: time because you're this player. Well. Okay. I'm gonna revise my uh, stance on this. Then, if you're teaching players how to game of Magic, it's I think open fine. But personally, I like learning how to do politics or learning a new play group and Commander. You just have to throw. Them. They just have to pick it themselves. There is no reason to reveal hands when they know how to fend for themselves in a new environment. If they already know how to play it, then they should be able to figure out how to play the mind games that go with multiplayer politics. Because that's something they can't really teach by having open hands. Okay. All you're saying with that is, oh, you think this person always answers. But hey, they don't in this particular game, and these people are also a problem. But they probably would have found out that the other were a problem over the game anyway.
1: There's also the idea that these people that we're trying to teach aren't new, they're just bad.
0: Still, still, they gotta learn the hard way.
2: Right, but that's the thing. Like, if they're bad, doing it with an open hand isn't really gonna be doing much anyway. I mean, think of it. Like, qu- quite frankly, if, if you're talking about just doing the open hand because you want to try to help bad players learn how to play better, then you're basically not saying that you're doing it because you know trying to teach them the politics. You're pretty much just trying to teach them how to play in general. Now, if it's one of those things, it's like, it's like, basically, it's like, I'm trying to show you one of the core mechanics of this game. Apparently, somewhere along the lines while you were playing, it may have, like, been miscommunicated or misunderstood exactly what to do in this particular scenario. So we're going to do the open hand thing so we can give you a better idea of what it, but if that's the case, you're kind of just, like, reteaching them how to play magic. It's not like you're doing it Or threat assessment or anything like that. You're kind of basically showing them the way that this game is supposed to be played. Now I can, I could understand it if it's like, if they're brand new to Commander, they've never played in a multiplayer format. They've never done anything like that. And the idea of the politics and whatever the case may be is kind of new to them. Then yeah, I can understand like maybe doing like one or two games just to kind of give them an idea of what could happen or what's going on, you know, but not like as like, uh, continuous thing it's more like and even in that situation if they've been if they play magic then there should really be no reason to have to do the open hand for it because they play magic only the difference is you just kind of have to teach them how to be more open to getting assistance from somebody or not trusting somebody you have because to be
0: a, more aware of what uh, the are doing when you're playing with more than one opponent
2: right because when you have like because in most they just have to Hold on. You swear? Yeah. Because like in most formats, it's basically <laughs> like you're playing against your opponent, and it's just you and them, so you don't have to trust. Them. Unless, of course, you're just trusting that they're an asshole because they're trying to kill you, because that's guaranteed. It's 1v1. The only reason I would even see doing something like this would be in a multiplayer, just to kind of give them the idea that, yes, everyone here is trying to kill you, but you can use the fact that they can't kill you right now, to your advantage and get them to assist you in taking care of somebody else. Yes. But that's, but even still, like that just to me just seems more like something you could do without an open hand. The open hand for me would just mostly be like if it's a, it's like, it's a brand new player, someone who's never played magic, and the format you're teaching them how to play magic in is commander. But why would you do that
0: is another question. That is actually perfect.
2: All right, then. So, this is
1: one where I actually want to hear more from you guys at home. I went ahead and posted something, you know, kind of bringing this up on the Facebook page. So, if you want to find that and go ahead and, you know, give us uh, some more feedback about that, hit us up on the Twitters, please do so. Next up, we're going to go into our strategy segment. And we actually are going to talk about threat assessment the talk itself. So, stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right Assess the
2: threats. Is that a threat to you? Are you assessing it? Good. Now you're threat assessing. You can see a threat assessing threat. You're letting that threat... No, hey, threat. I see you, and I assess you.
1: What? Threat assessment. I... okay? Like,
2: hey there, threat. I completely acknowledge your presence, and now I'm going to assess you. Yes, But huh? like, Has your threats been properly assessed? No? Get on the ball. Start assessing those threats. Because those threats ain't gonna assess themselves.
1: Okay, Let's go ahead and just go So in our strategy today, we're going to go ahead and talk about threat assessment. That is to say, learning how to identify what needs to be taken out on the field, figuring out when and where to use your removal, and maybe figuring out if someone at the table needs aggroed a little harder than some of the other.
2: You know, That's for, right. Yep. Do they need to be assessed? Time to do some assessment.
1: Alright. So, my prime ex- example, I'm still recording the alpha for Epson. We've got, you know, uh, Airbus Patrol, we've got Green Omnath, and then we've got Red Green Omnath. We've got like double Omnath here. I've got down a moat, you know, nobody can attack. But this whole game, Aerobus is just focusing Red Green Omnath down, constant carding. Like it's what, it's like watching a commander version of modern a miserable. <laughs> Like, he's only got, like, three lands. He's not being allowed to draw anything. It's actually kind of amazing how many discards and tricks this Erebus player had. <laughs> so, in this instance, I know the red-green player is, you know, kind of neutralized already. He's only got three lands. He's got no hand. Nothing coming out of here unless he starts top-decking. And I do kind of want him to start getting game. Erebos, on the other hand, is focusing way hard on red-green Omnav. But, if I start to retar- he doesn't really have anything outside of Erebus on the field that's going to cause problems. So... Okay. And then there's Green Omnath. Let me tell you about this fucker. This guy is just floating mana every turn. He's got his boots on the Omnath. So no one's going to touch him. He's got something that will double his mana. And he's just floating mana. Floating a lot of a lot of mana. Like at one point he had over 120 mana.
2: And Would you he's say just, he's building hella mana? He's building
1: hella mana. That's absolutely correct.
0: And That's I go, a lot
1: of mana. That is a lot of mana. And this, of course, okay, he's, he's only got like one or two cards in his but in that scenario, he's the one who's the scariest. So what I do? I start poking him with Avacyn over and over. And I'm glad I did. Because before she was able to get the last hit in, you know, someone, there was a player basically, which I was kind of confused by because, you know, scary green omnath thing.
2: Yeah, but Avacyn's about to take out the scary green omnath thing. So if you think about it, what's more scarier, Godzilla or the thing that's literally about to kill Godzilla?
1: But see, here's the thing. One, this is Avison Guardian, people widely regard as not that good. Two, I am also running on empty as far as cards in my hand. has hit me with a discard spell once or twice. He got rid of my wrath, made a little bit of spot removal, whatever. I've got no cards in hand. Everything I have is directly on the board. I've only got like Avison, a banding guy who can't promote out, and that's literally it. So Avison is prevented from killing, dealing the final blow to this Green Omneth. You won't know what happens after that. The Green Omneth player top decks into Eye of Ugin. And starts chaining together a large amount of Eldrazi, including New Olomog, Kozilek, a bunch of other stuff, Feast of Famine, so they untap his lands, Barra, he starts using that temple over and over again, using that huge ass store of mana, he's just same up with Omnath. And he wins a very short order. And, you know, the Arabist just didn't have any answer for why he killed Avicen, right, dealing deal with Omnath. Because I was literally the only one dealing with Omnath. So that becomes, you know, part of the topic of Okay, am I really scared of the thing that's about to kill Godzilla, or should I just let them kill Godzilla? You
0: should let them just kill Godzilla if you already kill the thing that Godzilla. Uh, there's no reason to leave Godzilla alive when you can all you can go ahead and kill what's killing him before it can kill you. That that is my that situation as it was presented.
2: With that situation, the way Clay's presenting it, I agree with totally because it's kind of like a game of rock paper scissors, you know. Like, yeah, you there's a rock, and you're the scissors, and the rock is about to kill you. But paper can easily deal with it. Granted, you can take care of paper, but why don't you let paper take care of that rock first, and then deal with paper? Because once you get rid of paper, now you've got nothing that's going to stop the rock. Then the rock kills it. Dwayne Dwayne, du- wrestling reference. Boom. Yeah. Knock one in
1: there. So... Guys, question. What are some of the things that you have to try and keep in mind when you're trying to figure out who you need to savor for, who you're pointing what at, what's going on there?
2: Uh, Clay, what are your, what's your thing? Because my thing is I'm typically pointing everything at everyone. <laughs> so, actually, my threat assessment is everyone's a threat. Well, kill everyone.
0: That is one incredibly bad interpretation of threat assessment, is just kill everyone before they can kill you. That is very red of you. Um, but my version of assessment basically boils down to the type of deck my they are playing. Um, knowing what could be in there, if I often know which cards are in there. Figuring out how close they are to actually being a threat to my actions in the game, which, depending on the is often very high. <laughs> um, and just knowing what they could possibly draw into to be harmful. Like, just. Out what board needs to be dealt with, of course. Like if someone has a piece or two of an infinite combo on the board, like that—that that is that needs to be dealt with. As a tarot, that's just a counters that needs to be dealt with. It has a fucking the Magus on the board that needs to be dealt with. There's a lot of things that just dealt with. Almost every game needs to be, but the point of assessment is to figure out which things need to be dealt with now and which ones can be dealt with later. So taking into account what it might have and what they could possibly draw in and how close and if a specific draw would be. if, like, they are one way from just killing the table, probably for, um, especially it's glaring case on the order.
1: So then, how would you negotiate, you know, some of the threat assessment? You know, you get to that point where... You know, like my interaction with the Airbus player, you want to be able to take out some of the stuff, but you know that you're not equipped to deal with it. It's one of those things where you're pressed between, okay, that needs to be dealt with, but I can't handle the backlash.
2: Randomness. Be like, you're a threat. You need to be dealt with. Oh, no. You're a threat. You need to be dealt with. Oh, no. He's a threat. He really needs to be dealt with. And then, you know, politics. I'm just being. CDH is a thing
0: because you can connect other people with the threats that threaten you. You by them that it also th- even if it does. Uh, I'm trying to think of a anecdote of sort. Um, yesterday actually was playing a game with C where I didn't really have much going for me. I had um, a couple things going on. I had, been, I had a couple of and a couple of black. I could use, use attrition to use several things every round, and basically I ended up trying to convince people to focus who were bigger threats than us, but also under the pull of being like, if not deal with it, I will shoot your guy, and you will still die to them. Wow. Like, Yeah, I wasn't doing much in that game anyway, but it was what I could do. The threat of having blown up, my contribution to the threat level on the board can help other people realize people's threat levels. That, that's enough we can look at it uh, like it's hard to define it, but kind of assign each of your opponent and yourself threat level based on what you know they can do, what their commander does have on the board, seen them play all, the way, and just knowing when their level is high enough, you actually need to deal with It, it is a fine art, it cannot be discussed in an episode of that. I don't know if it can be fully best ever. It's just something that you kind of learn as you play.
2: Gavin Dredo has one Okay, so in all seriousness, I'm going to stop playing around. Like, right. Uh Clay is hitting the nail right on the head. As far as, like, threat assessment is concerned, it is something that you typically will have to, like, kind of learn on your own. Like, given William's um, example of his play group having the one player that's the best player in the group and everybody focuses on him, and suddenly he's not the best player in the group because everybody's keeping him from winning. But then they kind of forget about him, and next thing you know, he's winning again. It's just kind of one of those things where with that particular situation, you just kind of have to find the right balance. You have to start realizing, like, okay, like, what type of decks is he playing? What type of win conditions does he typically prefer to use? Looking at the board, okay, is the board currently set up in a way that would typically lead for him to win? Okay, so now maybe I should start paying some attention to him, as opposed to just completely ignoring him for the remainder of the entire game, just because the first, like, four or five turns, he wasn't doing anything of importance. And it's kind of one of those, like, you know, you just kind of have to find that balance because if you don't, then you kind of always end up in that weird state where your games only end in two ways, where either A, the entire table is trying to keep him from playing and somebody wins randomly, or B, nobody's focusing on him and he wins. And if you're trying to do a good threat assessment and you're in a play group, one of the things you may want to try in, a, in that particular scenario, William would be, okay, yes, he's the best player. I understand that everybody's focusing on him. So for a couple games, I'm not going to focus on anybody. I'm just going to kind of sit back and see how the game plays because I know everybody at the table is trying to take him out anyhow. And then try to see if you can figure out a way to get a win out of those scenarios where everybody is focusing on him so you can try to be the one who gets the win in that scenario. And then during the games where people aren't paying attention to him, then you can start trying to see if there's something you can do to either A, stop him from winning so that you can win, or B, try to see if there's some type of way you can convince other players to turn it back into the game where everybody is focusing.
1: Now, see, it's interesting that you say that actually more or less how I developed my current style of commander, which is, okay, we're going to sit back, try and hold, you know, build resources that aren't inherently threatening, or if they are, just kind of accept the fact that they could move, and let other people build their resources and get further ahead than them. Because you know when you're playing, multiply one thing to mind is that it's best to stay in the sec third because then the person ahead of you is the one that gets hit from the shell. Yes. So you know people start focusing on them. You know I might help out if I really if I need to. You know I get those moments where I go, okay, that has to be dealt with. But well, for the most part, I'm finding people playing their game because so I know that that's gonna you know demand that everyone else deal with them and free resources for you know when they want to deal with me. Hmm. And so when wins a generic scenario? They get to play commander, they get to have fun doing whatever it is they want, and I get to, you know, hopefully pull out ahead because people are focused.
2: So it's kind of like the tortoise and the hare in this scenario, where it's kind of better for you to, like, you know, take your time, not try to rush, not try to become the person who is ahead because then everybody's going to try to take you out because you're at the beginning of the race and you're trying to outrun everybody. And you may end up accidentally, like, burning yourself out before you're ready to actually win.
1: Right, but by that same token absolutely have to know what can what can and can't afford to let sit on the board. You know, like a, a luminar Ascension, you absolutely need to get that off of getting enough counters because it's just overwhelm everyone with it and then no way to action. If you're familiar with our combo, beat, you know that you can get out the possibilities from playing a mission or a death. And that's really where your threat assessment
0: And learning what is threatening about other people's
1: And knowing half the battle.
0: E, I, the other half is actually
1: Arriba. Alright, so that being said, guys, are there any other, you know, like, tips or points that you would want to, you know, help people with if they want to learn about threat assessment? Like, maybe particular types of threats that you need to look out for, or things that might look threatening, but actually aren't.
0: Well, us uh, uh, combo okay. pieces. Um, things that don't look like be a part of a combo, but also are, like, why are you playing a card if it's not part of a combo? Thing... Um, like, if someone's playing Experiment Croj and you see that an Elvish Aberrate sort of thing, um, things that don't seem to make sense on their own could possibly combo else are always something you should watch out for.
2: And in that vein, you also have to kind of get the, uh, if you're doing, like, threat assessment and this is, like, a regular play group, like, if this is your regular play group, then you would need to start doing player assessment. Because, say, for instance, like, in the instance where you have a person who is playing Experiment Crodge, Yes, Experiment Crodge kind of like combos with a whole bunch of different cards, and next thing you know, it could just be this huge combo engine that instantly wins. But if you're in a play group and you kind of realize that, say, William is using Experiment Crodge, not because he wants to use Experiment Crodge, but because it's the only blue-green commander he has, and his deck doesn't really use Crodge for it, then Croj's threat assessment level kind of goes down because you know how William is supposedly playing. It becomes like a night, nice, you kind of have to evaluate what's on the board, but you also have to also evaluate the players themselves. Like say for instance, everybody yes. knows, everybody knows that I'm more of an aggro, uh, aggro player and I'm an aggressive player. If I happen to have a card that's on the board that looks like it's a part of a major combo piece, chances are it's probably not there for a combo. It's probably there because I kind of just needed it for what it actually does. Like uh, Astronauts Altar, it's probably not there for some type of infinite combo that's going to give me infinite mana. It's probably just there as a way to generate extra mana in a deck that typically doesn't have access to that map. Occasionally, yes, it will be sure. a part of a combo. Yes, occasionally it will be something I might use for a combo deck. But if you know that the person you're playing against isn't a typical combo player, they're only doing it like randomly or on occasion. Then you'll see a combo piece, and it's like, okay, well, there's a very high chance that it's not there for a combo. But then once you see like uh, Ashnod's Altar, and then you see the Board, and you see mana starting to generate, so to try to so that the player can start trying to go off and make like infinite tokens or infinite burn outlets or whatever, then this would be a good chance to start trying to figure out a way to stop it. But like an Ash, like an Ashnod's Lath- Ash Altar, besides like I don't know, uh, just like a Ash in the Pilgrim deck. They are probably just used for mana. Or as a nice way to sacrifice Aspling so she doesn't end up in some type of, like, purgatory or pacifism-style effect or whatever the case may be.
1: So, my general tips are going to be... You definitely want
2: to Just a tip. It. If a little extra happens to slip in, we're not going to complain.
1: No, we're not. But here's the thing. So, with threat assessment, the things that I typically try and get off are the things that I know get out of hand if it gets one turn around. Because I... Don't really indicate with players in terms of, hey, can you get rid of this for me? Then I'll do this for you. I don't really do that I like the you want to. But in general, if I see something like Rexian Altar or Life or Luminar Accenture or anything like that, one of those cards that I know if they untap with, they're going to be really far ahead, then I try and snipe it as quickly as possible. Anything that's part of it, <laughs> just anything like that, those tend to be crucial pieces that if you snipe them early enough, then they can still build resources, but they can't get as far ahead as they thought they would. But that's
2: just my opinion. And in the process, and in the vein of like discussing like combos and all these cards and stuff like that, like if you know a particular player and you know that their uh, resources are limited as far as like financial and whatever the case may be, or there's a particular card combination that they kind of lean towards because they have it, then it's uh, probably be a good idea to start like paying close attention to what combos that player has available to them so that you can start being prepared to deal with those particular combos. Not necessarily saying you have to learn every combo in the game, but say, for instance, you have a person who plays Dr. Assembly and Sword of the Meek and he repeatedly uses them because he's a blue-black player and he likes playing with Dr. Assembly, and whatever the case may be, or it just happens to be like the one combo he happens to continuously use. Then, yeah, now you might want to start be preparing yourself to deal with a Sword of the Meek once it's in the graveyard or... Find a way to deal with a doctor assembly or doctor foundry or whatever the case may be to kind of get rid of it. Because if it's the main and potentially like one of the only combos that they use, then yeah, you kind of want to get
0: dealing.
1: All right, so guys, Fair. anything else before we move on?
0: Learn how to, to threat assess. It will make your life and the love play group. More.
1: So are you telling people? To-
0: yes.
2: Just get good. Yes, I am. Just like, uh, just Get good. You won't be having Wars any Wars. problems if you were good.
1: Alright then, so that wraps up our topic about threat assessment. Next up, we're going to go on to our technology segment, and we're going to pay an homage to a podcast I like quite a bit, and we're going to do an over s- new. Stay tuned, everyone, we'll be right back.
0: So I'm going through a bunch of boxes, trying to find a bunch of sleeves, sleeve up like a bed of lands, and I'm like, away from having 75, and I'm really annoyed about where the rest of these sleeps. I
2: because okay, I, I kept hearing like a box going, like moving around and stuff, and I was about to blame William.
0: Corey, how dare I? mean, you it be. might be William.
2: It might also be like William, you asshole.
1: How dare I open boxes stuff.
2: You anything, many, stuff. and stuff? Thanks, stuff, and things.
1: You realize like how much of a jerk that would
2: make? Not much of a jerk. I mean, you know, basically everybody in this podcast has done it except for like Mark.
1: So, when we went back to Innistrad, of course, one of the things that they had to deliver was a new Olivia Voldarn. Olivia is kind of a classic vampire, definitely one of the fa- fan favorites, especially when you're building like the Herpter Black Red Trouble Empires deck, which I personally, der, I don't know, maybe the twilight, but with Olivia, you had a very powerful commander that a lot of people were afraid of because they didn't want her stealing the shit. the new Olivia well, you get someone who's actually got some very nice aggro builder, as I saw firsthand when I according to the album so guys, I'm gonna go ahead and compare and contrast Olivia Mobilized for War versus Olivia Valdarn. Which so let's go ahead and start with Olivia what do you think her
2: strongest attributes Her third leg.
0: That her third leg. Th- there was no third leg. Her leg's actually incredible. Um I have to say from a from an actual playing standpoint, just the fact that if you let it on the board it just takes over the game, like incredibly quickly, you can just whatever your opponent had, use it yourself, and there is no reason to untap with a with an Olivia. That is proper threat assessment.
1: So, what do you feel Olivia best
2: for mana cost? because when you read the card, it always feels like like if you just like take the cost off. You actually like read the text, looked at the power, kind of got like the idea for it. It automatically like rose to your head at like I think what is it like five? But um, when you then hit the card, you realize it's not five, it's four. Yeah, she
1: actually does cost four.
2: All right, but that's what I'm saying. Like re- like read the like right, listener, ignore the fact that I just like you know what the cost is now. Just read off what she does, William.
1: Let's see, so Olivia, the original one, is a four cause three three flyer that has for two mana she deals one damage to another target creature. That creature becomes a vampire in addition to its other types and she can one more counter. But then you've got her second ability, which is three black black, gang control of the target vampire for as long as you control Olivia Volvair.
2: So just thinking about that, right? You have a creature, three three has flying, has an ability to become bigger. So it could be like a four four or a five five. Stuff. Shoot stuff down. But then anything it doesn't, like, kill, it could just steal. See, that's the kind of effect that you would expect on, like, maybe a 5-drop or a 6-drop. Because that's a lot of things going on on one particular card. Not only is it capable of just beating your face in and making the making it so it's like, you can build a deck around it where you just pump her up and get her in, like, five, six, seven, eight, nine, get a whole bunch of counters on her or whatever the case may be, and then just kill your opponent that way. Or you could build a deck where you're using her as like a pinger and just knocking stuff off the board. Or you can build a deck where you're just like using her to steal things from your opponent, like their biggest creature, their best threats. Now your biggest creature, your best threat. Or you could build like a vampire, uh, a vampire tribal deck and use that stealing ability where it turns creatures into vampires, and now their biggest threat is not only your biggest threat, but it's even better because it's a vampire on top of that. None of that <laughs> says four cost. Yet somehow. <laughs> She's four. She
0: was aggressively caught.
1: That's one way to say it. The lead. Alright, so everybody's still here. Yeah, we're still here. Just like you
2: okay, you know. just kinda like died there for a second.
1: I didn't die, you died.
2: Alright. No, that's I I am like I told you I'm babysitting. I had to mute and go yell at a child.
1: Alright, so then let's I was compare kind of
2: that's a conversation to go on without me.
1: Alright, so let's compare that to Olivia mobilized for me. what's her biggest strength? Is it the fact that she's like a whole man of less, she's still that size? Or is there other you know, there's some other things about that, right?
2: Okay, so so for the new Olivia, all right, William, ignore the cost, read her off.
1: So, she's a flyer. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may discard a card. If you do, put a 1-1 counter on that creature. It gains haste until it's turn and it becomes a vampire.
0: So we're turning more th- things into vampires, this time at the cost of discarding a card. It enters the battlefield.
2: Yeah. And what is her size? Her size is a 3-3. Okay, so now we have a 3-3 flyer. That one allows you to discard cards from your hands, which can go well with madness and graveyard shenanigans and all that other stuff. You can just kind of like just randomly discard things as long as you're playing stuff. And it says whenever a creature enters the battlefield, correct? Yep. So it doesn't even have to be your creature. If your opponent plays something, you'd be Uh, like, oh. No, 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 it's a creature under your. I asked before. You said.
1: But I thought you were going in the lines of, oh, if I brought something
2: back. Okay, whoops. If it just says a creature that you control, then fine. But still, like, you know, you can get, like, something to come back from the graveyard, and boom, discard something else. Like, if you just, yes. dis- you just, dis- you, like, you discard, uh, Blood Gas, and it's a vampire already anyway. Boom, drop a land. Now Blood Gas shows up. Hey, Blood Gas came in. I'm gonna use his effect now, and I'm gonna discard this other creature that then comes back to the battlefield. Like a reassembling skeleton for whatever reason. Oh look, it's back. Now I get to discard something else. So you're not really losing anything and everything is kind of getting bigger and gaining haste, and they're all vampires. So now, like, even with this particular version, it's kind of like the same thing as the other one. This effect does not seem like something you would be getting for three mana, but you do. I'm just kind of waiting for us to go back to Innistrad again, and then run into a, an Olivia that only that should cost three mana, but for some reason, it's like two. Ine- inevitably we'll get an Olivia that costs a-, a legendary Olivia that costs zero but does something like that you should not be getting for no cost Eventually.
1: Eventually. and chances still be a
2: three three
1: all right so that guys the aggro with Olivia very very new. just being able to say okay here's a big six six I'm gonna discard you know just this random thing and now suddenly it's hitting for seven one more than what it originally was and out of nowhere that is a yes. real punch to power
0: yes all I can say is yes.
1: So then, let's go ahead and look at their... What was the worst thing about First of all?
2: Her third leg.
0: I don't know if there was anything bad about OG a little bit. Like, honestly, there, she was aggressively costed, had incredibly relevant ways, can take over game by her. I honestly see no downside. Except for the fact that she doesn't cost two mana.
2: <laughs> like, the only downside about her is that she wasn't even more aggressively costed. <laughs>
0: Correct.
1: So for me, when I was playing Olivia,
2: Olivia, it wasn't better.
1: (laughs) The downside was that, even though her abilities are amazing, they do have a lot of mana. You know, if you wanted to steal something that turn, that was seven mana. And those are colors where you have to kind of specifically tailor it to have ways to pull out more mana. You can go ahead and play Herb play stuff like Crypt Gas, and uh, other mana doublers. And super easy to do that, but one, we're talking about threat assessment. Those are high targets if you're looking threats. You know, stuff that doubles mana. Those are things that you kind of wipe out. Because as soon as they have access to that mana, it doesn't matter if you got rid of her or not because they're already casting their spells. When it comes to yeah. ability herself, she also has a higher target because those abilities are so powerful. And when you have to constantly play her, then not get the value out of her. Ideally, go ahead, drop her on turn six because there's four mana on her. Two mana, on the next to you can go ahead and steal something. She has a setup cost, is the real thing. That's what she did say. She says you have to have a setup cost.
0: Yeah. All right. The That's thing fair. The thing is, you have to remember that Olivia may only cost four mana, but she is definitely a late-game card for a mid ranger or a control. Like, she has an aggressive cost, but you'll play almost never play plus four unless nothing is happening, and you just wait until you have enough mana to destroy
1: that's more or less it. Like, don't get me wrong. Olivia is a fantastic card. She's still my commander. But when you play with her, you realize that you have to plan for you know that game, or at the very least have the accelerators and enablers out to make her ability really powerful. Because even if you know yeah. there's just one thing out, you can still just keep shooting stuff and go pew, pew 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 to make her stronger and try and make her a finisher by herself. But that's the other thing that she's very parasitic. Vampires are. If she's by herself, A three d yes.
0: flyer four doesn't too bad. She Herself, yeah. way too good. It's probably the only die that is that she, herself.
2: Like I can't suck my own blood.
1: No, what do you think she is? A variant? Okay. Now Olivia mobilized for war. What's, okay. her, what's her deal? Uh,
2: let's see. I would she probably say like her biggest incredibly... deal would be the fact that she has that whole discard thing going on. I mean, it's good, but if your deck. Doesn't happen to feed you the right cards at the right time, then it basically becomes you could potentially just be destroying your own hand or messing up your own setup. Well,
0: the best thing is completely optional. Well, the best counter to not wanting to discard is not having to discard cards. Yes, it's a choice between giving your thing, making it bigger, or a card in hand, but that is completely up to you on the I want
1: to say yes, because. Olivia, that's more of a setup cost with the original one. With the second one, yeah, that is a cost of activation, but that's actually one of those ones that's more easily build around. With a, the first one, it's just a straight up requirement. It's a no, you have to be able to pay this large amount of mana if you want to start stealing. With Olivia Mobilized War, it's one of those build arounds where you can actually turn it into a very powerful engine. Like if you had, you know, just something that would pull a card out of graveyard, like say a Shield. Drink. You go, okay, I'm gonna discard
2: Dawn it. of the Dead.
1: Well, Dawn of the Dead already gives... Uh, let's check. Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, that already gives it... Because you exile it at the beginning. With something like Shealdred, or, you know, if you're playing Mardu, or whatever, you know, they bring back a creature, and then Olivia would let you discard a card to give, give that creature haste, and a plus one, plus one. And with that card you discard, you can just set up Shieldred's next target, or any creature yeah. or effect that does something similar. So, Olivia's cost and downside can be very easily turned into a very complex for the deck, whereas the first one, it's actually just cost There's no way to make that.
2: Yeah, but that's, but that's kind of like what I was trying to get at. Because like with the original Olivia, it's like her downside is you want to use this card to its best ability, you better have a lot of mana. And if you don't have a lot of mana, you're not really using it right. With the second Olivia, it's the, here's this ability. It's basically quote-unquote free, as long as you can figure out how to make it free. But if your deck isn't feeding you the right amount of cards or you're not getting what you need, then you're kind of sitting there do- turn after turn doing nothing.
1: Turn after turn. after
2: So it's one of those, like, you know, you have to build your deck around it to make sure that it works. And with even the, like, slightest miscalculation on the right amount of madness spells or creature return spells or discard enablers and things of that nature, then, you know, your deck ain't really doing anything. And then also in that scenario, if something were to happen to Olivia and she wasn't available to you, now your deck is kind of gonna just flounder, cause um, it's just gonna just sit there by the wayside waiting for another discard outlet to kind of get the ball rolling correctly. So you really, really have to tune that deck correctly in order for it to work the way it needs to work.
1: Alright then, so.
2: Don't you whoo me. I'll, I'll whoo you.
1: I'll whoo whoever I wanna whoo. Whoo! Whoo! Whoa! Whoo. All right, so let's go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. So, guys, last question. Which one do you prefer I Because I don't want to get into, oh, it's better than versus that one. That's not what this comes to. This one is, between these two, which one would you rather want to play as either a commander or in the other 99? Because there are arguments for how some of these can play at
2: Well, as far as, like, if it's just, like, as the other 99, if you're in red and black, I see no reason to not play both of them. They're both good, they're both relevant, they're both under-costed for what they do, they both do what they do very well, and if they're in the other 99, and what they're doing is something your deck could potentially use, there's no reason not to include them. Like with the original Olivia, if you're playing red and black and you have mana resources, there's no excuse for you not to have her in the other 99, because she could win you a game, become a big beater, steal your opponent's creatures, or kind of take other creatures out. There's no reason not to include her. Unless, of course, for some reason you just can't Find some reason, some way to magically get access to seven mana. Like, you know, you're building a red black deck that tops out at like five mana and doesn't even have more than like five lands in it. Now you got an excuse not to play it. But then again, you have bigger things to deal with because you got a deck that only got five lands. But if we're talking about like the second Olivia, like her too is like, if, if you are playing a deck that does have, that could use discard outlets or does have a graveyard resurrection, thing going for it there's no real reason not to play it unless you know you're going with a particular thing that doesn't involve vampires or you just don't want to actively use it for one reason or another and the cost for it is actually no low enough where if you just played it as a 3-3 flyer for three mana that's not that bad of an issue you could be playing way worse but if we're talking about like in comparison of like which commander you would use like if you had like if you had to pick a commander and you had to choose one of these two you can only pick one which would you choose? For me, I think the one I would probably choose would probably be the original Olivia. Even though the second one is more aggressive, the fact that I would have to build an entire deck around her ability for her to work correctly would probably be something that would kind of deter me from playing with her. Whereas with the original Olivia, even if I don't build my deck completely around her ability, as long as I can get the mana needed, to use her ability, it doesn't really matter. The deck itself can be whatever I choose for it to be. Whereas with the second one, I kind of have to go down this graveyard resurrection potential discard outlet using path. In which case, I, per- I would potentially get bored and just stop playing it, unless of course that's the style of deck I was intending on making. Fair.
0: So what about you? Uh, honestly, I probably would also choose the original via simply because I am much less playing such a new style as the new one. Or if I wanted to build a black-red aggro deck, I would definitely play the new one. But personally, I would play OG Olivia.
1: All right, then. And as for me, I'm sticking with OG Olivia. I saw the new one come out, and I thought she was pretty cool. But it's not exactly what I developed the Olivia deck I have for. The one that I developed board was basically inspired by my friend's mariki Rebaric deck where it's okay i'm going to control the board but i'm not going to steal something punch people back in there and i thought that was great <clears throat> so i liked olivia i really like her ability to take control stuff and then the deck that i built around that was very much a discard control type deck you know kind of like the airbrush deck that i saw only without speed type effect and then it got a really cool you know paper cut something where okay i'm gonna play stuff like skull cage and it's gonna be a bunch of small stuff that i can go ahead and keep moving my toes for but i can also redirect that planes Planeswalkers. so it was a you know planes walker too now this is that i could ag- now granted she needs a lot of retuning now that it's been a little while since i played her you know storing and like that but i still have every intention playing old olivia now with that said i could see myself playing. if i wanted to go for a much more aggro type attack you know olivia's a knight that's really cool. So if I was going to change commanders, it would just be the As it is, though, I like just fine. I like that style. It's a little different than, you know, what some of my other next one. And that's okay. <laughs> All right, guys. So any other final thoughts or opinions on Olivia as we go forward?
2: Uh, Both of them are really good. Both of them are very powerful commanders in their own rights. Both of them can easily be used. And I would not have an issue with anyone playing either or as their commander it's just you know right now it's just kind of like trying to choose between like your favorite chocolate or your your favorite style of chocolate. Either way you look at it it's still chocolate. Whether you like like white chocolate or dark chocolate or milk chocolate it doesn't really matter. All of them are still pretty good. And in this particular case you have two cards that are really good. They just happen to be slightly different flavors of what they actually are.
1: I don't know. I think it's they more just like just trying to happen to have I think it's more like trying to compare like chocolate chip versus chocolate dough. Like, they're both chocolate, but they're different styles. Hmm. More like these are styles.
2: Okay. I could see that, I guess. But I prefer my chocolate scenario, because, you know, it's the same creature. All I'm doing is changing a little bit here. And things have changed it ain't really too much.
1: I actually but hey,
2: that's, game. Game. that's my choice. You got something not. else you want to add there, Clay? Hmm? Uh, so you got something what else you want to no. add there,
0: Clay? They are both fantastic cards. I think it's kind of to compare them, just because... Thing that's similar about them is that Thunder costed for you and they have the same name, but from that there's not that much similar.
1: No, they're really not. But they are the same character canon, so it's kind of fun to see you know what they were doing originally, what they they're doing. You know, although yeah. I will say I do like the theory that Olivia just apparently has a fear of the ground because you never see her touching the ground in any sort of art.
0: Hmm. I had not noticed. Yeah. All right. So with
1: that being said. Guys, I still don't necessarily trust this recording equipment, even though it's in the one. So we're going to go ahead and take the street. Straight-
2: now, what was that? Did he said he? Had, no, Clay said he had not noticed. That
0: Olivia? Apparently, yeah. uh, Olivia doesn't touch the ground.
2: No, she doesn't. That third leg did once, but not her.
1: There's no third. Just like there is no and... Alright, so this has been Commander Cast episode two hundred and forty seven. I want to go ahead and thank both y'all for coming out today. Galvin, thanks for being
2: here. No problem. It's been a pleasure coming out doing another episode of Commander Cast for our listening audience.
1: Right, thank you here for this and not dying in Uh, yeah.
2: Hey, we kept our panda for the whole show. And also
1: for not to die in storm. Yay, no dying. Alright then. So, guys, at this point, that time again, we're gonna go ahead and pass out the contact information. So, Calvin, if people want to reach you, how can they do that?
2: Well, if people want to reach out and contact the captain, it's very simple to do. My name is Calvin. I'm also known as Captain Red Zone around the internet. So if you want to find me, go over to Twitter at Captain Red Zone, Or you can hit me up in the email in Gmail at CaptainRedZone at gmail.com. Or if you can go over to CommanderCast Facebook page. Hit up stuff over there. I'm an admin over there. Will's an admin over there. Clay's an admin over there. Admins all over that bitch. Or if you don't want to do that, you just want to, you know, hear those sounds of our voice... You can do it through iTunes, or you can do it through Stitcher. That's right, Apple users. That's right, Android users. You can listen to us however it is that best suits you. And if you want to contact us here at CommanderCast.com, that's also easy. It's at CommanderCast on Twitter, or hit us up in an email and Gmail at CommanderCast at gmail.com. Don't forget to swing by the Patreon site. And if you happen to be an iTunes user, go down there and leave a comment on our show and give us a five-star review. We will read it off live on air or semi-live on air because, you know, it's live to us, but it's off air to you, I guess. But if it's like if you haven't heard it before, it's new to you, damn it. So William, do we have any new five-star reviews for this week?
1: I want to get back to you in just a second. I've been trying to load this up for, like, past five years. And it's just We're now. Here.
2: Computer up. exploding. So while that's loading up, if you know you want to help us out here at the site, you want to keep the show going, you want to do something for us, financially speaking, it's simple. You can go over to Patreon.com slash and look us up, and you'll find us over there. And we have a Patreon. Our first tier is just a tip. For you listeners who only want to give us a tip, just a tip at a single dollar you could slip that tip in there but if a little extra happens to slip in we're not going to complain and a little bit extra has its own tier that's two dollar tier and at three dollars you listeners could then have us pick a topic do you think the topics on this particular episode were bad or amazing and you or you feel as though you can improve them or you want us to talk about something even worse go right ahead throw three dollars into that jar and to let us know hey you jerk i'm giving you three bucks go ahead and talk about homelands again for the next hour and a half And we'll do it Oh god oh, Like, like we'll, we'll hate doing it But we'll do it We'll Why do I'm... it for the money Because, a list, because there there's certain listeners out there that hate us And I would love for a listener that hates us To tell us to talk about something That they know that we would hate And find enjoyment out of it Because sure. you know what it, 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 it's, it's worth it It helps keep the site going so, and, then, Clay,
1: and then in the Patreon We, do we have a
2: few other things there too so.
1: God, We need to get Clay's <laughs> contact
2: I was buying uh, time so you could get your thing to come up.
1: Well, why don't we let Clay buy us time by letting us ask him what the condemnation is, you Jerk?
2: Well, if you, if that was the case, you could have had him go first. Did well, you know that I go into this long spiel when I do it?
1: Well, maybe that was my bad.
2: Yeah, because you stupid. You hear hey, that, listen?
1: Hey, you could I'm... have
2: us argue. You could you could put $3 in the thing. I don't want to hear you guys argue for an hour and a half over tomato sauce. We'll do it.
1: Hey, I may not be smart, but I
0: ain't dumb. Anyway, let um, and find me on Twitter at Angie as Eda Linda. Um, girlfriend and I also have a stream over on Twitch, and Alpaca. I should be coming on that more this summer once the internet where I am gets upgraded. The, a couple days ago, apparently everything was on my end. Nothing was actually transmitted, me, like at all. Like it just said it was loading. Um, also, if any of our listeners need to be at the Charlotte. Uh, the weekend, this goes up on the site, that's what, the weekend of the 20th? Um, I will be there, I will be working side events for the morning Saturday, Then I will be just hanging out for the rest of the and If you want to play some command, um, win Star City money tickets in side events, I'm completely down for that. Just hit me up on Twitter. So, first of all,
1: if you want to follow me, follow me on blue on the Twitters. I am bluem 1409 also email me wihernandez at gmail.com and if you want to meet me at a GP guess what Columbus Ohio will be having one the Friday June 10th it's going to be a legacy but I don't actually play <laughs> legacy so I'll be playing Commander with everyone who Lucky shows up <laughs> I mean maybe I'll have my legacy deck on the proxy tank turtle master. Literally everything in death attacks down on this, so I could actually just sit straight. But see, here's the thing: if I don't play Legacy, I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna play commander. So if you wanna come up, you wanna talk, you wanna meet, I know that a couple of posts are actually playing on coming up to Grand Prix, so it'll be just a chance to you know come up to Columbus, yeah, GP Columbus, and then maybe you can buy the cardi cap, the wrongs Ohio, the house, the passive store. It should check it out. I work. It. Now, as far as those five star reviews, we don't have
0: any. Unfortunate.
1: Point. but you could have had one you could have had me going off but now we're going to go into it and we're not going to have a fly so shame on us for not making you like us <sighs> you know what thanks to everyone here who's back at antacast.com you guys are fantastic I love you I love doing this one. music for our show is the X meets heavy metal series by 331 E-Rock we'll see you next week with more community strategy and technology until then let's get it
0: Boops. Boops. I, I was I was trying to line so it sounds like it says I don't know if it's because of lag, but okay. We'll see how it comes across.